Hello, Elwood City Limits listeners. This is Will, and it is that time of the season again. I was going to say year, but it sounds like I'm talking about Christmas, and I'm not. I don't want to talk about Christmas yet. It's not Christmas time yet. So it's the time of the Arthur season where we... That is me and my co-host, Lucas Mancini, are talking about the season that we just finished. In case you've been following either on the Patreon or on the free feed, that's where we are right now. We are on the cusp of a brand new Arthur season. But before we get into it, we've got to talk about the season that we just went through, season 18. So yeah, we're going to be giving you our top five episodes in case you're newer to the show and you haven't gone through the 200 plus, well, It's well beyond 200 at this point if you're counting the season recaps and everything else. At the end of every season, we talk generally about our feelings, and uh, we also do our top five episodes of the season. Uh, Certainly, we have been opinionated about where we stand on a few things as we've been going along these years of Arthur, and I'm sure that won't change. We do ours uh, separately here, so you're going to hear from Lucas in just a little bit. First things first, though. Want to get one or two things out of the way. Uh, that being, first of all, a big thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, you are hearing this early if you are on the Patreon, and you are also hearing our new Patreon content in full if you are over there. So this is a, we, a little bit of a wonky schedule this month, so we had to move things around. So this is releasing on Patreon right after we dropped, just two days before, a big, huge interview with the creators of Arthur and Friends Make a Musical. It's an hour-long chat between myself and... Brett Ryback and John McClay from inception of their musical careers to the creation of the Arthur musical, what goes into making a musical, what their inspirations were, and where you can see it. That whole thing is available at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. We also have our side series, that being uh, For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, which had its latest episode in the beginning of October, and ECL Origins, which we will be getting back to likely in the new year. We do also have For the Kids coming up in uh, a week's time, whether you're hearing this on the Patreon or on the free feed. You'll be hearing, of course, on the free feed, you get previews of all of these, but it is only $1 a month if you want to subscribe and get listening to all of our exclusive back content. And they're pretty good, I have to say myself. But I will say also thank you to the patrons who continue to support us, such as Teresa and Stella. Thank you to Kevin Noon, to Andrew Power and Yoshi. Thank you to Lawrence and Valeria. Thank you, Vinny Cataldo. And thank you to Kelly Corbett and Aurora Borealis. Thank you to Ricardo A. Soto and Richard Mortimer. Thank you to Wolf Lover Zodiac and to Mamata. And thank you as well to Stanley Fryman and to William. And we appreciate everybody. If it's been a while since you have heard your name on the patron roll call, uh, just send me a message. I just kind of go about these a bit randomly. I have an Excel spreadsheet open. So I will be giving you my thoughts on Arthur season 18, but I think first we want to hear from Lucas. So let's throw it over to my co-host. Hey guys, I'm not recording with my podcast mic. 
right now um, because I'm in a hotel room and I forgot to pack it. So if I sound like I'm coming from the inside of a computer, uh, that's why. Sorry about that, folks. Um, but this is my top five uh, for season 18. We've now caught up to when we and Will had started the podcast. These are the Arthur episodes that we're airing. So without further ado, let's get into it. Number five, Whip Mix Blend. Uh, this was one that I actually didn't get the opportunity to talk about with Will, uh, but he, he insisted that I'd go back and watch it. And I'm glad he did, because it's anything but gigabad, as the teens in the episode would say. Uh, love that we finally are getting a Rattle solo episode. Love the teen slang. You know, there's no one that knows more about teen slang than me. Um, and, and, and that's no phantom tax uh, in Ohio. Okay, they say I have W. Riz. Um, I ain't no skibbity toilet, if that's what you mean. Um, listen, if there's any Gen Alpha listeners, they'll understand. Moving on to number four, Case of the Girl with the Long Face. I was getting sick of the detective episodes till this one came along. Um, sort of the big detective team-up of all the Arthur detective universes, and they really make it uh, feel like kind of a big deal with a bunch of mixing of the art style and really funny memorable noir writing and much like a real-life noir, um, kind of a nuanced moral in the end. Um, an episode that we just watched is number three, Shelter from the Storm. Um, everything a season finale Arthur episode should be. It feels epic, um, kind of a sweeping um, Robert Altman style. Uh, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but we get to check in with all of our friends in the Arthur squad, uh, about how they deal with an incoming hurricane, something me and Will know all too much about living in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and it's a great kind of exclamation point on the end of the season. Number two is Arthur Reed Super Saver. Um, Arthur kind of dealing with a subject as serious as the economy, and they do it in a really kind of classy way that doesn't feel like moralizing despite showing us photos of starving people in the Great Depression. It remains funny, um, as it is informative to the show's younger audience about how the economy works. And number one for this season for me was Arthur Calls It. I uh, personally loved this episode. Sort of a, you know, you don't know where fact and fiction meet. Um, Arthur films his own Zapruder film of sorts when he is the only one who sees this play in this baseball game and he kind of has to, it's it's him against, his word against all the kids, and the kids go from trying to bribe him, you know, Buster's trying to write his memoir about the event, which is really funny, um, and this episode had it all for me. It's got great dream sequences, um, it's a really great episode where you empathize with Arthur, and I like his conviction. I like that the moral of this episode is to have conviction and to trust yourself, and Sometimes it's just your word, and that's good enough. And I, I, I think that's a really positive message. Um, and I love kind of the way the episode wraps up, where it's not really clear. Uh, bringing back a little bit of that kind of magical realism kind of uh, way to send us off, like Arthur episodes uh, used to have oh so much. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's my five episodes. Not going to overstay my welcome, because I'm sure this audio sounds uh, less than stellar. So... Moving on to Will's picks, or maybe he said it before me. I don't know, but I'm excited to hear them, and I'm excited to watch another season for all of you here on Elwood City Limits. Hi, everybody. It's Lucas. 
your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. Thanks, Lucas. Hope your travels are going well. We will be recording again together soon. The latest episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, which in case you didn't know, is going to be all about Let's Go Luna. And that's going to be our Patreon offering for November. Apologies for the wacky schedule. Tis the tis the season. I got to stop saying that if I want to stop thinking about Christmas. So, Arthur Season 18, we are still well into the Flash Animation years, the nine-story media group years, and we've hit a groove with it, I think. We are beginning to understand exactly what these seasons have to offer and what we can expect from them. So, in terms of types of episodes, characters that they use more often, what I really appreciate, and I think this is something that a point that I've returned to several times, is that a lot of the, I'm guessing, writers and perhaps even background designers, character designers, are remembering the deep Arthur lore. They are really reaching back to give you a lot of throwback designs, references, and I appreciate that. It's really not for like a child who is watching the show. It's for the people working on Arthur who really love it. And in turn, for you and I listening to this, who also love Arthur and have for a long time. So it means a lot that even though this doesn't feel like the Arthur that I watched when I grew up, that there is still a love for that. But it also is succeeding a lot of times at being its own thing. I think it's easy to overrate, I guess, the earlier Arthur seasons, because that's what I grew up with. I'll speak personally here. I am I make no bones about the fact that I love old Arthur, but it's important for me to recognize when the new Arthur gets it really right, and it still does. We have our sticking points, you know, we're dog and baby. There haven't been, I don't 
Was there a dog and baby episode this season? If there was, easily forgotten. In fact, there were even instances of Kate and Powell speaking in their, what I would call their natural voices. So I was happy for that. Um, I guess the new sticking point are LaDonna and Bud. Um, not, haven't really found a groove with them yet. I'm still open. I'm just hoping they get better stories, I suppose, because their characters and the way that they're performed are still talking it out over in the ECL patron discord. Uh, the voices, mm, you know, they're fun. They're fun to make fun of. But uh, after a while, you know, I would rather be toned down a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. There's plenty of seasons left to go. Uh, we're also doubling up with a lot of characters in episodes. That's a trend that I'm not crazy about. Like, we'll get one episode. We have one coming up in season 19. The premiere episode is two brains back to back. We do. We're doing the D double doses and all those kinds of things. I don't. I, I don't care for that. I, I. I like the variety. I think we have a big cast, and I would prefer that. You know, we don't have weeks where it's like, oh, we're just talking about this one character. Makes it feel a little bit less special to me. But, hey, whatever. Uh, We'll see. It's interesting to go back through these not in real time and find out, like, what they they decided to do less of, what they were trying more of, and then make our own opinions on it as we go forward. And I'm sure there's many of you who are listening that are like, well, I know exactly what happens, and that keeps going, or that stops very soon. And so you, in fact, hold all the cards uh, in terms of being an Arthur viewer and fan before Lucas and I do. Let's get into my top five. Uh, this time, now, I th- we you know none of you have called us out on this, but I always feel a little weird about this because I'm afraid that I will be missing an episode that I considered to be good or I will forget to leave an episode off because I thought it was bad. When you look at it, through the Wikipedia episode descriptions, uh, it can be hard to remember exactly like if I loved it or if I hated it. So as we went along this season, I put down which ones I was considering for the top five, and I did find five of them. And we're starting off with the case of the girl with the long face at number five. Love a Fern episode generally, not all the time, but Fern... Uh, is still in that sweet spot. She gets like one episode, maybe two a season. And as long as it isn't completely focused on the Detective Watteau character, then I'm pretty happy. This one had a bit of that, but it was also a very interesting way to address just kind of feeling sad, depression, uh, in a kid's show. And they used a light hand, and I think they were right to do so. And I think it's also very uh, poignant to use that with Fern, uh, certainly, if we end up getting that Arthur movie by Junior High, Fern's going to be feeling some feelings. So I think this is a uh, an indicator of that. Uh, Fern, the little goth that she is. So I like this uh, and the good use of Binky and George. Yeah, I thought this was a good message with a character that we both like. Number four, the Tardy Tumblr. This gets a little bit higher just because I'm really, really glad we haven't given up on Prunella and Marina stories. I think those are really underrated, which is such a funny arc that we've taken through the series of, like, despising Prunella, wishing she would never show up again. And then her episodes become better, and now they are used so rarely, her and Marina specifically, that 
it's just like, oh man, this feels like a breath of fresh air. So it was really great. I also think it had a really empowering message for Marina to want to be a gymnast on her own terms and just giving her more to do, making her more of a character. Um, That's another thing about modern ish Arthur, you know, newer Arthur that I don't like, is that we tend to introduce a lot of characters and then never do anything with them. So I wouldn't have been surprised if we never saw Marina again, but I guess she was just old enough that we could bring her back and give her a bit more characterization. So I really liked that, and I thought this one worked pretty well, and uh, perhaps an intentional Ferris Bueller uh, reference rather than the references we made early in the show. Number three is Arthur Reed Super Saver. Arthur episodes becoming a little bit rare uh, in the later. I mean, that's that's okay. There's a lot of characters that we can use, but this is why I also don't care for the doubling up of characters because sometimes uh, we forget about the guy whose name is on the marquee, and that's Arthur. Again, I thought this was a really interesting way to address something that you wouldn't think is necessarily something that kids worry about, but I think it is. I think this gives kids a bit more credit about being aware of financial situations of parents. I also really enjoyed, personally, uh, Mom and Dad Reed being confirmed as freelancers, even though they own a house. Like, what? But Arthur and DW trying to think up ways to save money and then taking it personally I suppose or taking it to heart this mission I thought was I thought was good and as I said gives kids a bit more credit about what they understand what they internalize and how that forms the people they are so I thought this was a really good way of doing that it was an entertaining episode in its own right number two it's the double episode, Shelter from the Storm. Again, we're talking about a manifestation of something that you and I may worry about as uh, older older than kids, let's say. I don't know. I don't want to presume how old you are. But the idea of anxiety, especially with the brain. Hey, they managed to make like a decent brain episode, one that we don't roll our eyes at. Of course, it's an ensemble episode. There's a lot going on here, and I felt that most of the threads were pretty good, and especially with characters that Lucas and I don't necessarily love. So with Brain, it was managing anxiety and speaking with uh, therapists, using therapy, which I think is an important thing to destigmatize at an early age, and is still important for us to do. Um, with LaDonna, getting to see more of her family and getting to get, understand a little bit more of her damage, I suppose, is important steps towards hopefully helping us to like her a bit more. I liked Arthur's bit with saving animals. I think that speaks to his character quite well. Uh, yeah, I just thought this whole thing came together pretty well. A lot of the double episodes are really the best in their season, typically, because there's just more time to let the stories breathe and actually let them seemingly affect the characters that we see on screen. And uh, yeah, I thought this was good. I also thought uh, Adele Dezim's, uh voice performance was good. Uh, she is very appropriately calming, but it's funny that they didn't uh, take advantage of her being there to sing a song or something. And number one, the real heads, I think, will know that this had to be number one practically as soon as we saw it. But I loved Whip Mix Blend. Come on. Like, how could that not be number one for me? And uh, I'm recording this before I listened to Lucas's, so maybe it was for him, too. Uh, but it's a Rattles episode. It's a Tough Customers episode. Those are frequently becoming the best episodes, or at least the favorites of us. And the thing is, 
as much as I say that, you know, we get a lot of DW episodes, which are typically for younger kids, and with DW comes Bud, we get a lot of LaDonna episodes, and characters that we don't necessarily care about, having the characters that we love, Binky, Fern, the tough customers, you know, you can even put that to Buster, Buster doesn't always get the most episodes anymore, having them get rarer episodes puts a lot of pressure on those episodes, but then they also have a greater ability to deliver because they are, like, the best in their field, and this was something that we've been wanting for a long time. We've been wanting to see more about Rattle specifically, and the tough customers, but Rattle specifically, so they had to think of how to make him different and how to uh, make him stand out as a character, not just as, you know, we love we love rattles since since the first uh, the first year of this podcast. We love rattles. We love uh, he his early bully archetype. How he morphed into the uh, the dunce of the group. I suppose like the like the the lovable dunce of the group. But then we get a bit more depth to him here by allowing us to see his blended family. And I think that's a again a really great way to address this and to use like you're you're not doing this with like say Buster. Or, like, one of the main characters. You're doing it with Rattles, which I'm sure, you know, some kids would prefer to see the characters that they know. But for me, it's just like, yes, use more of this. Like, when we had that Molly episode. Every time we have a Molly episode. I think that's a great way to just get more use out of these characters who are, um, who have been typically underutilized. But perhaps in this case, you can look at it as them being used sparingly. For maximum impact. Anyway, this episode was funny. Uh, of course, I had a blast recording this episode with uh, our friends at the SSAA Podcast Network. I loved the the weirdness of it, using the teen slang. And I thought that it was, uh, again, a really good message about blended families. And we've touched on a lot of different aspects of different types of families adoption, divorce, all of this kind of stuff. This this also includes something of a divorce story but a more uh, a healthier healthier one. So yeah, I was so pleased to see this and this is an indication to me of what is becoming great about Arthur being this long running is that eventually you realize you can't always rely on the main main characters for every story. You have to branch out into your huge world a bit more, and they are, and I'm really, really pleased to see it. That's what I'm most looking forward to in season 19, using characters that we see rarely or maybe even never see all that much and use them as ways to grow the world, to grow those characters specifically, and to hopefully continue to talk about issues that kids face that maybe we don't realize uh, are always a big deal. You know, it's beyond bullies and uh, skinned knees and keeping secrets from your parents. Like, that stuff's good. We've just covered it before. Now we're talking about other stuff that kids are beginning to deal with as the show grows up. And I think that's great. That's why Arthur is still as good as it is, and I'm talking about at the end of season 18, still great show. Like, really still enjoying it. I think there was a peak there or rather I should say a valley, a few seasons ago we were just like flagging a little bit. But I'm very hopeful for what we have next around the corner from Arthur, which is season 19. Thanks very much for following us through season 18, seasons 1 through 18, 
and into season 19, which will be beginning very soon with Brain's Brain and Brain Sees Stars. See? We're doubling up on these episodes. So I don't know if this is the best foot to start out on, but we will we'll leave, we'll leave it to the episode to tell us uh, how to feel. Remember, patreon.com slash Limits. New for the kids is going to be coming soon. If you're on the free feed, you will have a preview of that for the kids. In fact, stay tuned once I finish talking here because you're going to get an extended preview of the interview that I had with the creators of Arthur and Friends Make a Musical. And if you like what you hear, the whole hour-long interview is available. One more time, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And remember, you can also talk to us, whether you're a patron or whether you're on uh, the free feed listening for free, which is also totally valid, at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Send in your emails there. We love talking to you and talking about what you have to say on the show. So in just a minute, you'll hear a preview of that very interview. But for now, I will say thanks so much for listening to Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... We will see you next time. The other piece of history to this that I wanted to ask about is in route to making to coming up with and creating the Arthur musical, what if any were your histories with Arthur itself, either the books or the television show. What did you know about Arthur and what were your feelings about it before you got started creating the musical? I can answer that really quickly, which is very little. I, uh, I am sort of in that gap generation that uh, I missed it. I'm a little too old for it. And then I, d- I don't have kids. So I wasn't then reliving it or living it with with my kids so i certainly was aware of it i i I knew the look of the characters um but beyond that i i really came to this um rather ignorant of the world and the and the and what it was yeah i well i i missed i'm obvious i'm even older so i did not have as a kid but what i did have was um I'm so old that I grew up in, you know, the world of only having a few channels and PBS television um, was an incredible, was a foundational part of my childhood. Right. So uh, as a parent, um, the value that I placed on what PBS did for programming was incredibly high. So uh, my kids watched all the PBS shows. Um, So I, I certainly had um, awareness and peripheral content of Arthur, but I, I and I and I knew a lot about the character, and um, you know I I mentioned one of the things that I learned in this was um, the volume of Arthur is overwhelming, just how much content there is in some ways when looking at a piece like this because I was you know I was reading that you know after The Simpsons it's the longest running animated show in the history of the universe, yeah. right? Um, so. Uh, you know, uh, my my kids watched some of it. My nieces uh, watched a lot of it, right? So they, they were actually this great resource for me. But it became this point that when we started writing that, you know, um, it became uh, important, right? Well, necessary for us to uh, really go to Arthur's school a little bit, right? So, uh, you know, my pandemic, uh, I, I often refer to as the Arthur period. 
So a lot of, you know, people spent their pandemic uh, immersed in all sorts of obsessions, and, and mine was Arthur. So uh, <laughs> really, my experience wasn't so much childhood, it was really as it coming to it as an adult, um, and uh, binge-watching, <laughs> um, you know, so much Arthur. Um, I've also, you know, as a parent, spent a lot of time in the children's section of the public library, right, where Arthur is still, you know, a prominent, um, you know, fixture. Yeah, we also, I, I'll then add to all of them, say that we were very, I think, blessed. You know, we, we got to work uh, somewhat hand-in-hand hand with Mark. You know, Mark was very, um, Mark Brown was very uh, present, involved throughout this process. And so he became, obviously, I mean, he's a, a, an incredible resource to us and um, and was both, I mean, just kind of the perfect sort of, um, you know, as a writer himself, really understood that, you know, that we had a process that we had to go through, but was there to sort of, you know, guide us and 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 be be helpful you know he he really understood that he wanted to be helpful and the other person that uh that then later came into the mix was um our original director Kalia Davis who um is a bay area bay area artist uh, based artist um she had grown up with Arthur she was very um she really understood the world and the characters and the relationships and so when we were workshopping and then eventually when we were um, putting on the production, I think she had a lot of insight about like, you know, well, this, you know, this is really big during the show. And this is really these characters, this is important to these characters. So let's highlight this. Or what if we did this and sort of bring that out? And that'll be a little egg, um, Easter egg for, you know, fans and that sort of thing. So she, she, she was also a really great resource. Yeah. And I think that was important, right? Like, so for me, having some passionate uh, Arthurites, is that a word? Yeah. Right. The devotees of the Arthur universe. Right. That, um, you know, when you because I've written um, other shows based on, um, you know, uh, canons that have passionate fan bases. Mm -hmm. Right. So, for example, like when I uh, wrote the Nancy Drew play. Right. Like one of the I think one of the um, responsibilities you have as an adapter is to that section of the audience right and i you know nothing drives me crazier uh in all my fandoms when i go see an adaptation say whether say a film or a show or whatever uh, and it's clearly written by people who don't care about you know the heart of the characters um and the truth of these stories mm -hmm. right um so that was important to me two ways that I want to leave off this conversation and of course to where to the the call to action portion. So I first want to ask for those who are interested in seeing this musical. And I think after hearing you two talk about it, I mean, I'm even more interested in seeing this musical. It's just that I'm stuck here in Canada. So for those who are able to, uh, this is, this interview is going to be probably coming out for some early November and for others, maybe late December. So into 2024, but also if there's anything at the end of 2023, where can people see Arthur and friends make a musical if they want to see it? Yeah. Sure, there's, the... actually, 
a lot of opportunities in uh, in early 2024. Um, I'm just looking at our list right now. We've got uh, so at the Actress Playhouse at the Miracle Theater in Coral Gables, Florida. They're doing a run of it um, from January 12th to March 1st, and then again from April 4th to May 3rd. Um, the growing stage in Netcong, New Jersey. Is that where that is, John? Netcong. Yeah, they're, they're they're basically the children's theater of New Jersey. It's yeah. a great theater. Love them. They've got a production coming up March 8th through the 24th. And then uh, the Wiley Acting Group in Wiley, Texas is doing a uh, performance from April 19th to the 28th. That's what's currently on the schedule. John, is there anything else that you know that I'm missing? Uh, no, but they're all, they, I, there are a lot of conversations happening right. and a lot of negotiations. So uh, that's all being managed by uh, Todd Gershwin, who is the original producer who really put all of this together. Um, so those are the confirmed ones uh, for the next six or seven months. Um, but there will certainly uh, be some more popping up. And then... Um, you know, fingers crossed. But my 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 guess, my expectation is that in the 24-25 season, uh, there's a, a larger influx of productions around the country. And and I would also say that like if you're in a community where there's a, a theater for family audiences uh, available to you, it doesn't hurt to call them up and say, hey, I've got I've heard of this show. <laughs> I buy a lot of tickets, and I've got some friends who would buy tickets to it if you put it on. <laughs> 